Welcome back to the Redbird Report. As usual, I'm your host, Scott Prieros, and with me I have my uh, co-sports editor, Reed Watkins. And today we are joined by Illinois State Baseball's Daniel Pacella, uh, the Redbirds team leader in home runs and a standout and impressive freshman class. Daniel, how's it going? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Uh, big week on the, ahead of us. You said you had five games coming up, so yep. definitely a big week. Yeah, let's uh, get into it. So you're coming off your first taste of the I-74 rivalry. What was it like facing Bradley for the first time? It was awesome, man. I actually, uh, I was, one of my buddies was the Sunday uh, starter, Noah Edders. So I got to talk to him a little bit uh, between games. And it was exciting because I know that that's one of the ISU's biggest rivalries, um, especially in the conference. So it was a, it was a great experience. <laughs> Uh, Saturday, big two homer game for you. I mean, what was that experience like? Against, especially against a team like Bradley. Yeah, I uh, we we were just trying to go into the game um, with the most confidence possible, especially being on uh, a little bit of a, a down a little downfall. So we uh, we came in um, and our coaches were like, we just want to put the pedal to the metal and stay aggressive. So um, any pitch I was going to get, I was going to try to hit as hard as I could. <laughs> Have you ever gone deep two times in a game before? I have. I think I went earlier this year um, against uh, Central Arkansas. That's right. And then um, a few times in high school and stuff. So, yeah. Man. Um, so, like you mentioned, a little bit of an up-and-down season for you, but what have been the highlights in your eyes? Uh, for the team standpoint, I think uh, I would consider just um, the group of guys being um, extremely close, um, even when we have our downsides with, um, like, some losing streaks and stuff throughout the way, like, we, we stay together as much as we can, and everyone's got each other's backs. Um, I also think like that Bradley series was huge for us to really like step it up a little bit and show that we can get the bats hot um, when we need to. So that was another thing that I really saw that stuck out to me. And um, the other two were uh, Illinois and um, Iowa, just beating those Big Ten teams, showing us that we can compete with some of the best teams in the country. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, this team does seem to have a pretty positive energy around it all the time, but like, what have some of those challenges been that you guys have faced and how have you handled a lot of those? Yeah, I think what's been difficult was um, navigating the pitching and hitting at the same time, so sometimes we'll have the hitting on and the pitching isn't on and vice versa, so we're trying our best to, if the pitchers aren't having a good night, we're going to come out swinging it, and same with the pitchers, we know they got our back as well, so I think that's going to be the biggest thing is when we can get the uh, both sides of the baseball like really working out. Definitely. Um, we mentioned that freshman class, I mean Shire Robinson, Thomas Harper, Tyrell Chadwick, just to name a few of those guys. Um, why should people be excited about the future of Redbird baseball? Man, I think uh, Coach Holm had said it that this is one of the most talented classes he's ever seen, um, especially all of us being freshmen at the same time. I mean, Shy Robinson, you got a, like a sneaky bat that's going to produce some really good quality at bats, and he can also play some some shortstop or second base, whatever you need him to do. And a guy like Tyrell, he's already touched like 97 a couple times, um, so that's something that you got to be excited about. And uh, we got a, a bunch of other guys too that can compete on the mound um, and in the batter's box. So I think that this the depth of the freshman class is really exciting to see. So you guys currently sitting three-way tie for eighth, um, just a game back from seventh now. Mm -hmm. um, still, like I said, 15 games left to be played, but how important was taking two out of three against Bradley, and what's the mindset going forward? Oh, it was huge. I mean, we were, at the time we were 10th and they were ninth, so we knew that that was a must-win series, and um, we did just that, so now we're going into this, like, we got the um, the train like the train rolling, and we're going to keep going after it as much as we can. Then, um, looking at your season, you're currently second on the team in batting average at 296, first in home runs with 11, first in RBIs, and tied for first in hits. 
Um, I mean, just how confident were you coming in and did you believe you could be this productive from the start? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've talked with the coaches numerous times just trying to keep my uh, personal like self-confidence up. And they're like, Daniel, you're going to be a big contributor for this offense. So once you believe it, you're going to start seeing it for yourself. And ever since I kind of put that in my head of like, I can do it, um, I've been seeing a lot more success recently. Definitely. I think one of my favorite quotes from Coach Holm this season was that Dan has power standing on second base that a lot of guys don't have, yeah. uh, or uh, from home plate that a lot of guys don't have standing from second base. So um, you're right back at it again tonight. What's your mindset going into this game? We're, uh, we're just trying to compete as much as we can. We know that uh, with this with this midweek mid schedule that we're going to try to take both games as, as, as easy as we can. So we're going to go into this trying to get some momentum rolling for the weekend. And like we mentioned earlier, uh, projected starter is Thomas Harper looking to get back on the mound. So um, I think that's all we have. I know you got to run to practice pretty soon, but thank you for joining the Redbird Report. No, of course. Thank, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Like we mentioned, ISU baseball is coming off a series win against Bradley, but looking to rebound from a 19-3 loss on Sunday in the series finale. They play tonight against Lindenwood at 5 o'clock. Now, looking at ISU softball, they were swept over the weekend. Um, Scott, what were some of the main takeaways from that series from you? They struggled. Uh, I mean, their offense was there early, but it seemed like down the stretch, you and I woke up. Like, it seemed like I don't think you and I scored a whole lot within the first probably four innings of each game. And then I know they took the lead in the seventh Sunday, right? And I think they took the lead in the sixth or seventh Friday as well. And then I think they took the lead in the fifth uh, Saturday. But, I mean, ISU was in every single one of those games. They can compete, but it's just their offense kind of fell off down the stretch. Um, Emmy Olsen continues to be a huge part of this offense. Uh, shout out to her because I believe she's the all-time leader in doubles now in uh, Illinois State softball history. Um, Hannah Ross did a really solid job on the bump. I think she had three total appearances. I think she started Friday, Sunday and then was in relief Saturday, is that correct? She left the game Sunday and then re-entered um, to finish it out. That's what it was, so, okay. Yeah, I think, I think that was one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, I think I would have liked to see Hannah Ross go the, go the distance. Um, it was a tough situation because um, freshman Hannah Meshnick comes in with a one-run lead and um, gets into some trouble. And then Hannah Ross comes in to finish it out, but I think she gave up a run or two after that. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say. Obviously, hindsight um, could be different than what you are thinking in the game. Um, but, yeah, they came back to Hannah Ross in the end of that one. And, um, yeah, I, I think I would have been interested to see if she could have just finished it herself. She's known to go the distance in these games um, when – things are working for her so um yeah definitely a tough tough um series leading in each game and um just not being able to put together a full seven innings yeah so i mean you you look at each game though i mean three two isu at the end of the fifth in uh that would have been the second game of the series on saturday in the first game of the series it was three three at the end of the fifth and then you and i ended up winning six three and in the final game of the series isu was up three nothing going into the sixth inning and then they ended up losing uh six three there so i mean one other thing that i do want to point out i mean throughout the entire series though isu only had 14 hits i mean nine runs on 14 hits and then i mean you and I had 19, 23 hits. So, I mean, 
they almost doubled them, and the games were close until those final sixth and seventh innings. And it just, I don't know what exactly you would attribute that to, but it's definitely a disappointing result. But you, I think they showed to themselves that they're able to compete with the best teams in the conference. I think that Missouri State series earlier in the year might have uh, been a little bit of a downer for them just because, I mean, at that point you were riding so high and then you, you take that first game and then drop the next two, and now you're losing three straight to Northern Iowa. So, I mean, you've lost five of your last six, or I guess five straight against the top two teams in the conference now. So, I mean, you have to be able to bounce back, and they have a chance to do so uh, this weekend here as they uh, will travel to Evansville um, before their final series of the year. Um next weekend, the 5th through 7th against uh, Southern Illinois. So they, they're they going to have a chance to bounce back, but it is a disappointing result. Yeah, no question. I mean, um, they need to finish strong. Um, now tied for third in the conference with Murray State. Um, so Southern Illinois is just out of it at 4th at 11-9. and nine. Evansville is 7-13, um, and 13, a little down the conference standing. So... Um, they just need to keep doing what they've been doing against the teams that um, are outside of the top three in the Valley and um, just kind of do what they are capable of doing like they showed this weekend as they look to finish out the season. So um, definitely some some very important games coming up down the stretch um, for a team that should be in contention for a conference championship. Yeah, definitely. Like we said, a uh, big two weekends coming up for softball as they kind of look to uh... – uh, secure themselves in the MVC standings before uh, the MVC tournament, uh, May 10th through 13th in Carbondale, Illinois, here in just a few weeks. Um, the next thing I think we want to talk about, uh, track and field, another strong weekend for them, and you know, a lot of the same names we're seeing. Uh, Hathi Fashina Bombada um, earned fourth with a time of 11.59 um, in the 100-meter uh, and in the 100-meter hurdles, uh, she finished with a time of 13.29, her own school record, uh, again, for the second time this year that she's done that. And then the other meet, the Gary Wynicke fight invite that they were in, uh, Madison Plummer um, broke into the top 10 in school history with the 3,000-meter steeplechase with a time of 10.29.51. So, again, same thing each week, more records being broken. And like I said, Hasi Fashina Bumbada breaking her own record that she already did once this year. She's just having an incredible season for this track and field team. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really put into perspective just how talented some of these athletes are. I mean, look at Fashina Bombada's time. Her school record in the 100-meter hurdles is 13.29 seconds. She earned fourth in the meet in the 100-meter with 11.59, so less than two seconds difference when you add a bunch of hurdles <laughs> for her. I think it's just insane that she's able to do that. I mean... Yeah, I you can't say enough about what this team is capable of doing, what these athletes do week in and week out. Um, a lot of talent in these programs. Um, and like we talked about, Jeff Bovey just does an outstanding job with these programs and having them at the top of the Missouri Valley Conference year in and year out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talk about it every week, but, I mean, it's the same result every week, so I mean, they deserve it. And they're just continuing to produce high-level products week after week. Uh, they got another big weekend ahead where they're going to split up a little bit. Drake Relays uh, Thursday through Saturday, and then the Clarkwood Invitational Friday and Saturday in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, the next thing I think we want to talk about here, uh, women's tennis. Their season came to an end this past weekend uh, in the MVC Championships. Uh, you were at that meet. Uh, what would you see? Yeah, I mean, it's 
it was a tough meet for the Redbirds. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, they had beat Drake 5-2 earlier in the season, same location, at home. They had the privilege of being selected to host this they, um, this uh, conference tournament um, and just could not get the job done, which was um, definitely emotional and um, a disappointment for the number one seed in the tournament. Um, it was very interesting how doubles went because doubles sent the tone. It's just one set, one point, but it sets the tone for the rest of the meet. And their doubles results flipped from the regular season uh, meet. And the number one team at ISU, the number one team in the Valley, Tara Danjanovic, Tiana Zlatanovic, they won after losing. That was the only team they had lost to in the regular season. Um, seven and one throughout the NBC. They flipped that result and beat the number one team. Um, and then the number two and three team that had won earlier in this year against Drake lost on uh, Sunday. So um, I think that kind of set the tone for the meet and they were not able to take four of the six singles matches they needed to win. Um, came up just short there and um, I believe they will miss out on the NCAA tournament because of that. I'm not exactly sure how that format works, um, but they definitely missed the automatic bid to uh, keep their season going. So um, tough way to go out. Very strong senior class. Um, they celebrated three seniors this year. And, um, of course, you do have Tiana Zlatanovic coming back. So you have your number one singles player and half of your number one doubles team coming back to um, guide the team next season. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, I mean, a tough finish, but a really strong season. And uh, the uh, the program that they've built over these past six-ish years, I believe I was telling you the other day, they're 26-2 or something like that in the Missouri Valley Conference over the past six years, which is just an incredible number, which what Maya Kovacek's done with this program can't be overlooked at all. But um, obviously um, not the way you want to go out, but like you said, a really strong season and still a bright future ahead for them. I think the last event we're going to talk about, uh, track and field going on right now, or not, I'm sorry, sorry, not track and field, men's golf going on right now. Um, they currently hold a 16-stroke lead over Valparaiso for the uh, first place in the Missouri Valley Conference Championships. Uh, they're 22 under par, uh, 6 under par on the day as a team. Um, Felix Van Dyke, uh, currently two strokes back from the individual lead as he sits 10 under par. He's 2 under today. Um, Alex McCullough and Valentin Puegnet are both tied for fourth as they're four under respectively. And then Parker Wisdom is currently tied for 12th. Um, he's even on the tournament and two over par today. So, I mean, a really balanced attack from this team. Van Dyke had an incredible opening round. Uh, I think they said it was the fifth best score in program history or single round score as he shot six under. Maybe slowed down a little bit these past two days, but regardless, still uh, putting up a really good performance. Yeah, extremely strong um, outing from this team. Um, it was pretty amazing that um, they broke. It was the lowest round in 25 years um, on the first day of the tournament, and they only held a three-stroke lead. And um, it's amazing that they've been able to separate themselves from the competition by keeping up that level of play throughout the weekend. And, um, you know, they just need to finish it off today. And, um it's been a very strong season from this team with some ups and downs um, uh, sprinkled in there intermittently. But I think that this team could really um, be one of the highlights for Illinois State Athletics. Um, I think 
women's track has the indoor MVC championship, but other than that, it's been somewhat of a down year in terms of conference tournaments. I think men's golf is looking to change that year. Yeah, definitely. I do want to just point out a uh, shout out to Valparaiso's Anthony Delasanti because Valparaiso as a whole is currently six under par as a team, and Delasanti is twelve under par himself. Wow. So the rest of the team has combined to be so the other three scores that are taken are combined six over par. So Delasanti is doing an incredible job. That's why he leads the field currently twelve under par even today. So he was twelve under par through two rounds actually. Uh, shot a sixty four yesterday, so seven under there. Um, so just shout out to him, but like you said, I mean, this Illinois State men's, or men's golf team has really, uh, put together a good performance today, an up and down season, but this is a good way to close out the, uh, conference tournament, and then, uh, moving forward, I mean, it's just a bright spot in this season for sure. Uh, a couple things we do want to just touch on that happened this past week, uh, men's basketball, we talked about, uh, the addition of Dalton Banks last week, but, uh, Wednesday night last week, I believe it was, Brandon Lieb. Uh, committed to the Redbirds, um, former Illinois center. Uh, and then they also, that same night, got a walk-on in uh, Uhi's Ty Blake. So a couple big commitments for Ryan Pete in there. Um, I'd say you filled two of the roles that you kind of needed to fill coming into this year. Um, you wanted a true point guard, you got it in Dalton Banks. You wanted a center, you got it in 7-1 Brandon Lee from Illinois. Yeah, um... Just a couple things from Peden um, in his statement written on Go Redbirds about uh, Lieb. Um, he said he comes from a program that we have great respect for, and knowing that Brandon has practiced and played three years at the University of Illinois was very attractive to us. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it's hard to look at his numbers, obviously, because the playing time and contributions on the court weren't there as much. But, I mean, he's still going through the grind of a Big Ten season, and um, I think he was a huge addition to fill that number five spot. I will go out and say that I project him to be a day one starter for this team. Definitely, yeah. And I think regardless of the minutes he was getting with Illinois, he was on Illinois. I believe he was, was he a scholarship? I believe, I believe so. I believe he was a scholarship player at Illinois. So he clearly had the talent to be on a Big Ten program. Maybe the playing time wasn't there, but he has a chance to really prove himself at a program like Illinois State where I think he has the potential to really make a name for himself in this conference. Uh, there's not a whole lot of 7-1 players in the Missouri Valley, and I think um, that's a good time for him uh, for sure. Um, they are yesterday, I believe it was, uh, Jordan Davis from Wisconsin took his second visit to the uh, to Illinois State. Um, he got a crystal ball last week um, for Illinois State, If and... I mean, we haven't heard anything yet, but that'd be a huge get for Ryan Peden. I mean, if you get your second Big Ten player of the offseason, I mean, I would say you fi- you filled three holes that you need to fill. So really, you af- if you're able to get Jordan Davis, you have one more scholarship left, you go get your last need, and I think Ryan Peden had one heck of an offseason. Definitely. I mean, there's no question. Um, I think he's had an impressive offseason already, but if he's able to do that... I think he has already followed through on his commitments to um, regional recruiting and bringing in big-name talent that we have not been able to do in the past um, at Illinois State University, and it's um, definitely intriguing to see what he's been able to do as a recruiter. I think um, it's bringing in two Big Ten players um, is just – it could make waves in the Missouri Valley, and I think ISU – becomes a candidate to have the biggest jump in the standings. Yeah, definitely. So they finished eighth, right? Yeah. So, I mean, 
you have a lot of high expectations. I don't want to look into him quite yet because we don't know what the roster is going to look like. But I think if you are able to complete what he's trying to do, if you get Jordan Davis and you get that last piece you want, there's no reason you can't take the jump. A lot of these other teams are losing some of their high-level players. Um, there's absolutely no reason that you can't climb these uh, standings and be a competitor in the Missouri Valley Conference next year. Yeah, um, and another note I thought um, stuck out to me a lot. Um, Jaden Johnson was um, pictured with the team at a team event, and it's not exactly clear when it was taken. But over the weekend, um, an ISU account posted Jaden Johnson at a team gathering, and I would not be surprised if he returns to Illinois State for the second time after entering the portal. Yeah, so last year, was he a walk-on two years ago? He's been a walk-on. He has been a walk-on all the time. So I think what they're just trying to do, and you had talked about this uh, previously, is I think they're trying to give him a chance to see what he's worth. If there's a school out there willing to give him a scholarship and where he can make a name for himself maybe at a program, uh, maybe a little lower where he's just going to be maybe a full-time player, Um, because he had some inconsistencies in terms of when he was actually in the rotation this year. But I think Ryan Peden's giving him the chance to, like you said, prove himself, and if not, you're welcome to come back onto this roster because it's not filling a scholarship spot. Right, and that's um, kind of our thinking, not entirely based off fact or anything, but just some theories that we have surrounding the team. And, you know, I think that perhaps Johnson is being selective because I see him as a player talented enough to go and start on an Ohio Ohio Valley Conference team, one of the lower um, conferences. There's um, so many places where I think he could be a contributor, but I think the situation has to be right for him. He's from Batavia, Illinois, um, so not too far from home, and able to – if it's anything like last year, he has he's going to have a chance to contribute. He's going to have a chance to prove himself in practices and maybe earn rotational minutes again. I mean, it's not out of the question the way that uh, Ryan Peden um, divides playing time. He gives opportunities to players that earn it. Yeah, definitely. On the women's side, I think they're also having a really successful offseason. I mean, obviously you lost uh, Tashana Wright-Gaskins and Jasmine McGinnis-Taylor earlier this offseason. But then you had Paige Robinson uh, get drafted. You had Gillespie sign the contract extension through 27-28. Deanna Wilson announced that she is coming back for her fifth year of eligibility. And now you get a transfer from Bradley, I-74 rival, Caroline Waite. Um, One of the better three-point shooters in the conference in terms of three-pointers made per game. Um, Just a really big get. they're going to need a player like this who can shoot the ball because obviously you lost Crompton, um, you lose Robinson, your two best three-point shooters from last year. So, I mean, I think this fills a, an important role for this team. Right. If there's any way she can fill the Mary Crompton void, that would be such a huge get for Illinois State women's basketball. And that's asking a lot. But... It is. It is. Um, but I think there are aspects of Waits game where she has had to carry the burden for Bradley Yes. Um, throughout her time there and... I think she, you know, can create off the dribble a little more, put a team on her back um, when, you know, maybe Mary Crompton wasn't needed to do that, and she did at times is the thing. She was an outstanding player. There's no question about it. Um, But she has never had to be the team's entire offense. You know, she played alongside Redmond. She played alongside Robinson. Um, So I think that um, Waite will have to change her role to fit in at Illinois State a little bit but having that experience is going to be crucial. And I wonder if that helps her having to change her role because, like you said, I mean, she's been doing a lot for this uh, Bradley program. Um, she's coming off a season where she averaged 13 points a game. Um, 
But you wonder if maybe having some of that weight lifted off her with Deanna Wilson um, returning, obviously an incredible post player. Uh, you still have Maya Wong, who has been a very solid point guard, a rock at the point guard position for Illinois State. Um, Abby Alsma is uh, returning, obviously, as of now for the Redbirds. Uh, she has a chance to uh, come into that starting lineup. And then I believe Gillespie still has one more scholarship to work with this offseason. So you'll see what she does there. But I think What's going to be nice for Caroline Waite is she doesn't have to put that weight on her shoulders, and she's going to have a chance to maybe be more efficient because of that. And, I mean, her numbers, 37% from the field, uh, just under 34% from three. The thir- Just under 34% from three really isn't a terrible number, um, but you do want to see some of those uh, numbers increase just a little bit, and maybe having uh, a chance to have that weight lifted off your shoulder, like I said, um, gives her a chance to do that. Um, I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. I did want to actually make note, um, talking about the I-74 rivalry, I saw Braylon Roman got an offer from Bradley, and that was very interesting to me. Um, Normal community um, recruit, and um, it would make waves, honestly, if Wardle is able to you know, take someone from this area, um, which tends to not be the case very often where you see Peoria recruiting out of uh, normal Bloomington normal um, so I think that was just interesting and an interesting note um, you did talk about weight um, flipping sides on the I-74 rivalry if he goes to either one of those um, schools uh, specifically if he goes to Bradley as opposed to Illinois State I think that would be noteworthy um, but just a quick note to end the show on yeah uh, just has he been offered by Illinois State? Do you know off the top? He was. He that was? day they offered four Bloomington Normal products. He was one of them, one okay. of three players from the Normal community. So uh, ISU was on him first. So I think that's kind of what makes it um, an interesting uh, recruiting game there. Yeah, definitely. Um, a little bit slower for a weekend ahead of us. Uh, track and field with two meets coming up, and then baseball and softball each have three games away. Um so make sure to follow along on that action on our Twitter accounts at the underscore vedette and at vidi underscore sports. And we will talk to you guys again next week.